This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. As an art form, poetry is not for everyone. For Afro-Latchian poet Frank X. Walker, the issue may have to do with the way it is presented. I think if you think of poetry uh, as a cousin to, to say country music or the blues, and you get this, and you enjoy those two art forms, and you can enjoy poetry, and the only difference might be the subject matter. That story and more coming up on this West Virginia Morning. Coal State Senators are pressing federal mine safety regulators on a silica dust rule they promised months ago. Curtis Tate has more. The Mine Safety and Health Administration was supposed to release its silica dust standard in January. After months of delay, U.S. Senator Joe Manchin and other Democrats from Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Virginia are asking MSHA when it will be announced. A 2020 Inspector General's report found that three times the number of coal miners were diagnosed with advanced black lung disease from 2010 to 2014 than from 1995 to 1999. Exposure to silica dust is believed to make black lung disease more severe and strike much younger miners, including some in their 30s. MSHA has taken actions this year on the enforcement side with more inspections, sampling, compliance assistance, and an emphasis on miners' rights. But the senators wrote to MSHA, that's not enough. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston. Members of the legislature's Joint Standing Committee on Education met Sunday evening to learn more about early childhood literacy. Chris Schultz reports. State Superintendent David Roach laid out the state's vision for education. He detailed a simple approach to prioritize reading, writing, and math at the elementary level to build a solid foundation for our youngest learners. I have advocated for, since assuming a superintendent's position in August, that literacy is the key that unlocks the door to students and our state's success. I committed that Department of Education return to the focus of academic achievement. Legislators also heard from two educational experts on early intervention approaches that have worked in other communities across the country. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Chris Schultz in Morgantown. Despite criticism, the DHHR secretary says he's already implementing recommendations from a reorganization study. Randy Yowie has more. Department of Health and Human Resources Secretary Bill Crouch said during legislative interim sessions on Sunday that his agency can better address priorities of child welfare, substance use disorders, and workforce by implementing recommendations in a recently released reorganization study. Lawmakers questioned the $1 million study ordered by Governor Jim Justice. Several said the study lacked substance or new ideas. Crouch said in the briefing that he's ready for new DHHR leadership and communication teams to get started. I'm very pleased with this. We're going to, we've already started kind of figuring out how we're going to implement this. We're going to move immediately. Crouch said the action plan going forward will actually improve DHHR and legislative communication. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Randy Yowie in Charleston. In a Sunday meeting, members of the Legislature Select Committee on Infrastructure heard from an e-bike vendor on the potential of updating state code to accommodate riders. Shepard Snyder has more. E-bikes are motorized bicycles meant to help riders through hills or rough terrain. Current state law restricts Class 3 e-bikes, which provide assistance up to 28 miles per hour from being ridden on trails. 
State code makes no mention of less powerful Class II e-bikes, leaving the regulations unclear. Joseph Overbaugh of Fission Cycles in Davisville says he'd like to see lawmakers align with the less restrictive federal guidelines. Since we do have uh, places like New River Gorge and other federal parks in West Virginia, having those two things in alignment means that you can travel back and forth from both places and not have to overthink about, well, what's the code here? Overbaugh hopes to have a bill introduced next legislative session that would clarify the regulations. A similar bill in this year's session did not make it out of committee. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Shepard Snyder in Martinsburg. As of Veterans Day, U.S. US Armed Services veterans and Gold Star families are able to obtain free lifetime passes to 2,000 federal recreation sites, including national parks. Each lifetime pass covers entrance fees for a driver and all passengers in one vehicle and amenity fees at national forest and other federally managed lands. Veterans can present a veteran's ID card, a veteran's health ID, a Department of Defense ID, or a state-issued driver's license with a veteran's designation. Gold Star families can self-certify they qualify and download a voucher at nps.gov. The New River Gorge National Park and Preserve does not charge an entrance fee. However, veterans and Gold Star families would be able to get the $20 entrance fee waived at the Harpers Ferry National Historic Park. Health officials from the Kanawha Charleston Health Department report an uptick in the number of respiratory infections. Caroline McGregor has more. As we enter the holiday season, health officials continue to sound the alarm over an increase in serious respiratory infections in the Kanawha Valley area. With more people out shopping and an earlier-than-usual flu season, doctors say the chances of falling ill from a respiratory infection are high. Kanawha Charleston Health Department Health Officer Dr. Stephen Eschenauer said with respiratory syncytial virus, COVID-19 variants and flu filling up hospital beds, people should get vaccinated against both COVID and flu. Dr. Mike Roby, Associate Chief Medical Officer with Charleston Area Medical Center Health System, said the elderly and young continue to be the most vulnerable to disease and infection. Hospitals like women and children's continue to feel the strain. There are 19 kids currently admitted this morning with RSV. The major symptom that most of those kids are having is just an increased um, mucus production, so a lot of congestion. Um, And that's what ends up them in the hospital is the need to have constant suction. Roby said five children were also admitted for influenza, a number doctors say is problematic this early in the year. Roby says hospitals are feeling the pressure, but with COVID-19, the situation has almost become the norm over the past two years. We have amazing nurses um, that just step up um, and take care of these kids and our community as needed. Um, And without those nurses really supporting our our operations, we'd, we'd be in a lot of trouble. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Caroline McGregor in Charleston. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 751. Rain, freezing rain or snow today with mostly cloudy skies. High temperatures in the 30s and 40s. Tonight, a chance of rain, sleet or snow with lows in the 30s. Tomorrow, a chance of rain or snow with mostly cloudy skies, highs in the 40s.
Support for the weather forecast is provided by the attorneys at Taurus Save a Law, representing firefighters, police officers, and West Virginia families. Information at TaurusSaveAlaw.com. When Frank X. Walker looked up the word Appalachia in a dictionary 30 years ago, he saw it was defined with a phrase, the white residents of the Appalachian Mountains. As a man of color, he said that shook him. That's when the poet coined the term Afrolatcha with his writing group. He said it has driven him to show readers that our region is made up of more than one race. His latest work is a children's book using the alphabet to identify and focus on people of color who grew up in Appalachia. It's called A is for Appalachia. News director Eric Douglas spoke to him about poetry and the new book. I'm no no stranger to literary pursuits, but I struggle with poetry. As a person who admits that they can't, that they struggle with poetry. Help me. Tell me what I'm missing or, or tell me what I need to know that'll make it clearer for me. Well, I don't know if I can make it clear. I can make you feel uh, less responsible. You know, I, I think the challenge of poetry is that a lot of other people and not all poets uh, have given poetry a bad reputation uh, because of the way it was taught in schools. If, if you're if your first introduction to poetry is through a Shakespearean sonnet and you're 15 years old and everything about Elizabethan England is so, it's so far away from your world uh, versus your family and where you live and how you live and, and your diction and your language uh, and your culture and your music, if none of that is in poetry when it's introduced to you, why would it not feel like a foreign concept? Poetry, I want to write poems that my grandmother might enjoy. Even my father with an eighth grade education, that, that he would hear these words and not have to run to a dictionary or feel left out or even be mystified by the fact that he doesn't recognize the people being talked about, the places being talked about. But if he, hear, if he hears that work, and it's in the form of a poem, and it sounds just like some of his favorite music on the radio without the music, then he's not lost. You know, I think if you think of poetry uh, as a cousin to, to say country music or the blues, and you get this and you enjoy those two art forms, and you can enjoy poetry, and the only difference might be the subject matter. Explain to me the genesis of roots of Afrolatcha. Uh, you're credited with coining that term, uh, but also the Afrolatian poets. And, and where did all that start? Right here in Lexington, um, about 1991, I had a group of friends who were meeting once a week, sharing our brand new poetry only with each other. And we also started to, to go to public events. And we went to an event uh, that was credited with being showcasing the best 
uh, riders from Appalachia. And, you know, we all enjoyed the event. And I came home and I looked up the definition of Appalachia. Uh, and in my dictionary in 1991, the definition of Appalachia said white residents of the mountainous regions of Appalachia. Mm. And it shook me because I immediately thought, well, well, what are you if you aren't white? If it's just based on the proximity to those mountains. And uh, so I, I wrote a poem that that kind of teased out that question at the very end of the poem. I, I wrote the line, imagine being an Afro-Latin poet. And I brought it back to my group the next week to share. And I fell in love with the word uh, and decided the same evening to name ourselves. We've been meeting for about a year unnamed and not even thinking of ourselves as a group. But we decided at that moment that there was something about the word that was electric enough to make us feel something. And so we named ourselves the Afro-Latin Poets. And about 10 years later, the dictionary, you know, based on the amount of use that was happening with the word in the region, uh, picked it up and decided it was a, a legitimate word. Why was it important for you to develop a children's book? When you consider luminaries like Booker T. Washington and even the John Henry stories or Henry Louis Gates, uh, you know, Nina Simone, Roberta Flack, Bill Withers, they're always discussed separate from the space they come from. People almost never connect them to, to the region of Appalachia. Um, so what I wanted to do was, was do a children's book that also educated the people reading to those children. Because most of the stuff in the book, the children who might read these books, their parents don't know this information either. One of the most important parts of the book is the glossary the five pages of glossary that comes at the end of the, the alphabet. And it gives you a brief history of all the significant figures and places uh, and people that make up uh, what I consider Afrolatia. Who do you want to read the book? Grandmothers, parents, high school students, middle school students, uh, you know, young people who are literate enough to read on their own. Uh, and even people who just enjoy beautiful images to, to flip through the book and enjoy the images uh, and then ask questions of whoever's there with you. You know, I think, I hope it's a, a multi-generational experience. You know, every family should own one of these books, in my opinion. That was Afro-Latin poet Frank X. Walker speaking with Eric Douglas about his upcoming children's book, A is for Appalachia. The book is being published by the University of Kentucky Press and will be out in January. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from West Virginia University, Concord University, and Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Amelia Nicely, Bill Lynch, Caroline McGregor, Curtis Tate, Chris Schultz, Eric Douglas, Jessica Lilly, Liz McCormick, Randy Yowie, and Shepard Snyder. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.